and welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Froggy. And this week we're talking about season two, episode 22, Becoming Part Two. That was a lot of twos. That was a lot of twos. Whew. And like last week, we have Jackie. Yay! I'm excited to join for the finale. Yeah. It's an epic finale, it too. It is an epic a finale. Yeah. Uh, but before we get started, I just want to give you guys a quick heads up about scheduling and season three. So next week, we'll have our season debrief episode, go over our favorite moments, the kill count, all that fun stuff. <laughs> and then we're going to go on hiatus for a month, at least episode-wise. Don't worry. We'll still be on social media, because um, as we said a couple episodes ago, February is going to be very crazy. Uh, Froggy is going to be down visiting Yay! me. There's birthdays galore. Hallie Rose from Plot What Plot is going to be staying Yay! with me for two weeks. Oh, we haven't seen her in so long. <laughs> we have not seen her in so long. So we're going to basically go on hiatus for all of March. And we'll be back with the start of season three in April. I cannot believe we are about to start our third season. I know. I know. Well, and again, like first season was so short. Yes. So yeah, it's, I can't, yeah. Can't believe we're going on to season three, but we're going to still be recording and yeah. building up a backlog. So yes, yes. Woo. All right, so Becoming Part 2, our, it aired uh, May 19th, 1998, and our synopsis is Conclusion. Bum, bum, bum. Buffy teams with Spike to save the world. While Xander confesses his feelings for Willow, an angel tortures the captive Giles. <laughs> I know. Oh. Giles. Poor so Giles. what are our international titles? So this week in Armenian, we have Transformation Part 2. Check is Transformation, second part. Finish, Keys to the Future, part two. I, I still know. don't I, understand. I do. <laughs> French is A Castle, part two. German, Playing with Fire. I like that title. I know. Hungarian, Becoming Worthy, part two. Italian, The Beginning of the Story, second part. What? <laughs> Japanese Transformation Part 2, Polish Buffy Identity 2, Portuguese Metamorphosis Second Part. I'm laughing at Mary right now. <laughs> because some of these really don't make any sense. And I would be interested to watch the I would be interested to watch the entire episode like with like tra their translation. In their translations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we have Spanish from Latin America is Reborn Part 2. And Spanish from Spain is the the transformation to. Playing with fire is definitely my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Keys to the and Future is still. <laughs> so despite being the second part of a two-parter, we get no previously on. Nothing. Instead, we're thrust right back into the middle of it. The two cops that have entered the library telling Buffy to back away from Kendra's body, hands in the air. Buffy tries to tell them she didn't do anything, but they don't want to hear it. One cop confirms Kendra's dead before asking about the other, as Xander's prone form can be seen up on the library's second level. Saying his name, Buffy tries to go to him, but the cops stop her. She's dragged into the hall by cop number one, as cop number two checks on everyone else. 
Buffy continues to try to tell them she didn't do anything. But Snyder's arrived now and just, he wants to know why he finds that so very hard to believe. Oh, you smug little bastard. Um, who called the cops? Like, did the vampires call the cops? <laughs> There's no way they tripped an alarm because they are in that Snyder school. probably called the cops. Sny- yeah, Snyder probably. But then how did Snyder know this was happening? Because of the mayor? Yeah, because the How did the, the mayor, mayor know? Because, because he's the mayor. There. Because the mayor has vampires in his employ. And so they were like, listen, that dude Angel's up to something. <laughs> you should Every- get over to the school. Up until up until well, the end, of- the vampires attack them at the school, right? Yeah, the vampires attack them and took Giles, but they were all angels' boys. So someone would have to be double dipping and working for the mayor and Angel to have called the mayor and been like, "Oh, hey, there's a dead body at the school. You might catch the actual Slayer there and be able." Like, it's just who who <laughs> like. Joe is a double agent and he's working (gasps) for the mayor. Not Joe. Oh, oh, you know what? It's it's Mary. Mary, stop thinking too hard. Fine. I mean, it's it like I said, it's it's just it's something I've never thought about before. (laughs) And in this entire episode, I could not stop thinking about it. I was like, who called the cops? I do love how there's no previously on. I do like that they just go right into it because it is such a dramatic moment. It's just boom. This is where we were last week. We don't care if you don't remember. We're just getting right back into it. You can catch it on the reruns. Oh, yeah, we don't care. We don't care if you saw part one. Well, you know what? That's always fun when you when you catch the, a show for the first time and you're coming in in the middle of a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's what happened to me when I watched the very first episode I watched of Doctor Who was like the fourth Doctor it was in the middle of this whole big story that was going on and everything was every episode was cut into small into small chunks. So you had like four parts for one single storyline. And I came in in like the third part of one episode, but there was this whole huge thing. And I'm like, what is even happening here? Who is this guy with the weird hair and the long scarf and this big blue police box and everything is misty and there's a robot dog and who like what is happening here? <laughs> That's definitely a hard series to come in in the middle. Yeah, it, it, like, yeah, it's it's easier these days with starting with with nine to come in. But yeah, if you started, is that, the, is that the like reboot or the? Re- yes. Yeah. yeah. With the, with See, the that's re- when I started watching it. And even then I had a friend of mine before I started watching that kind of explain to me what had happened in the like the old stuff. Yeah. 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 Oh, I can guess who that was. Oh, it was Alan. Yeah. <laughs> Right, it was Alan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I tried to, I tried to, because I was really excited when it came out and I tried to catch Kevin up to speed. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to watch and I'll figure things out or I don't. Right. The rest of the cops who arrive with Snyder go to join the other in the library while the cop holding Buffy asks if Snyder knows her. Buffy Summers, if there's trouble, she's behind it. Buffy calls him a little troll and yeah. tells him that he has no idea. He doesn't care. He just continues. Attitude problem? Major. Buffy turns to the cop holding her. She just wants to know if her friends are okay. He tells her that that doesn't concern her as he begins cuffing her. She has a right to remain silent. She, Buffy doesn't wait to hear the rest of her Miranda rights, just elbows the cop in the face (laughs) before throwing him down on the ground. She's got a world to save and the legal system just moves way too slowly. Now I get, like, I get her whole perspective on this because like, A, I, I do... 
I mean, we know that cops are can be like brutal and wrong and ineffective. <clears throat> so this is like a, a moment understanding that. Mm-hmm. But also the thing that that does annoy me is that I don't think this comes back up in season three. Like they, they never mention later, oh, like Buffy has a rap sheet and they were looking at her or whatever, or they or they managed to like let her off. I don't think this comes back up later on because she essentially like skips the cops, skips town, and then nobody seems to care about it anymore. I can't remember if there's a throwaway line by Joyce in like Dead Man's Party where she says something about like the matter being. Yeah, because I feel like when they're talking to Snyder about letting her back into school, Mm -hmm. they say something about like she was proven not to be it. I don't. Yeah, there is there is something It's like a very small line. Very throwaway. They don't make a big deal out of it. But I I do remember something like I can't again, I can't remember off the top of my head what it is, but I'm more I more feel like they should have brought up Ted in this episode when like the cops are questioning Joyce. Why wouldn't they have been like, uh, this isn't the first (laughs) time she's been accused. Yeah, your daughter's (laughs) been brought in for murder before. Yeah, (laughs) like I feel like that's a bigger like that is a big deal, too. But then also with also with Ted, they did find out that he wasn't dead at that point and that he had all this other stuff on his on his that conscience. he had been murdering women for a while yeah so yeah. i think maybe in that case and also like though that might have been dropped too because she was but yeah you would think that like huh this girl is involved in a lot of suspicious activity huh yeah. But then again, the other thing that you could say is the mayor, you know, like yeah, he yeah, might yeah. have something to do with this, which I can't wait till we get to season three. And Ugh, I know mayor. it's really nice to um, because when you're watching the first two seasons, you're like so much weird shit is going yep. on. Like, how does the town not notice? And then that comes full circle. Yeah. And it's season. it's more it's it's fun to watch it knowing what's coming in season three, going back through the first couple seasons and being like oh well n- this kind of explains everything mm-hmm. this explains everything kind of not all of because <laughs> we don't know how the cops cut to the school i really think, me. i really think that snyder brought the cops and i think or called the cops or because he had some sort of infiltration in with vampires into angels team i mean that makes sense to me yeah it does make sense knowing what season three is it doesn't necessarily make sense when you're watching season two yeah snyder jumps back more concerned for himself than what's going on and buffy takes off running by then the other cops have emerged from the library the female telling buffy to freeze before firing her and i'm sorry that was a kill shot oh that that was a that was a lucius malfoy <laughs> going Avada Kedavra <laughs> on a small child. <laughs> like, that was a kill shot. Like, they don't know that she, like, it's not like she's a confirmed. But again, but, like, I yeah. mean, looking at, you know, how we these days were really, really talking about how police are, and I, I know it's in, in association with people of color, but cops are, they're, they're not always doing the right thing. They're yeah. not, they're not, um, a lot of times it's like shoot first, ask questions later, tase first, ask questions yeah. later. 
And the thing that I always the thing that I always ex- have to explain to people is the cops aren't supposed to shoot guilty people either. No, no they're not supposed to no. kill guilty people. No, they're not. You know, we have militarized our police system. Everybody always uses the excuse, "Oh well, if you don't want to get shot, don't break the law." But cops aren't supposed to kill guilty people either. Like, well, because the thing is, presumably in our system, you don't, even if you saw someone run into a grocery store and steal from the cash register, yep. you, that person is still allowed a trial system exactly. in which they are presumed innocent until they are, pr- until they are proven guilty. And that's yep. a thing, like, that's a thing for like the people who keep shouting about the constitution. Those people are, it, it bothers me as a person who works in the law. And yeah. I'm like, you know nothing about the law or the constitution well even even better was when when they were 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 shouting about obama breaking the constitution when he was a constitutional lawyer yeah he was a constitutional scholar yeah was this was this the time that he wore a tan suit and everybody freaked out (laughs) um i think it was the time he didn't use mustard or something oh oh no yeah yeah or the time he saluted someone, I think, with holding like a coffee cup. In oh, his yeah. Hands. Yeah. Yeah. Heaven forbid you do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, all these that's, unconstitutional uh, actions. That's a, <laughs> we, we just went into a different podcast. <laughs> we do that. This podcast is like six podcasts in one. I People get a great deal here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get to hear you get to hear a lot from us. Buffy escapes and the cops radio it in. Fugitive at large. Female 16. Very dangerous credits we return from the credits to the hospital buffy now in different clothes and a dark beanie sneaks through the double doors because that's her fugitive outfit i I like her fugitive outfit fugitive outfit's great i just like that she somehow got home (laughs) changed her clothes and left without like joyce in the cop seat she might have a change of clothes in her locker that's true she she has been seen to have clothes in her locker yeah because she's got to put the fugitive outfit on or i I liked i I love i mean i know you guys talk about this plenty of times but i love cynthia bergstrom who's the the costume person on this series i mean she was really iconic and um this series was costumed like no other series that was on at the time yeah um because a lot of people, in my opinion, if you were not a superhero show, if you were supposed to be portraying a normal teenager, you were wearing boring ass shit. Yeah. And I'm like, I, you know, not everybody wants to wear jeans and a t-shirt, Dawson's Creek people. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is, the other thing is being that it's in California and, you know, that was where a lot of the style came from. And there was a lot going on out there in the 90s. And they yeah. were t- like teenagers in the 90s in California just let them wear colors let them wear and and again it might not be the most realistic depiction of what kids wore to 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 (laughs) high school but it's fun and again like it combines the idea that you can have a fantastical show with real people and let them have fun with their clothing I think it did set this series apart at the time um and I, circling back, I like that they put her in this kind of like, like fugitive hiding. She, oh my God. Beanie. Like it's so, I, I laugh at it every time yeah. because it's that whole idea that you want to be inconspicuous, but somehow dressing like that just makes you more conspicuous. Yes. Yeah. Be suspicious. Just don't, don't be, be suspicious. suspicious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She could I remember be buying. Like that. Yeah, I remember buying a black beanie after this episode because I was like, "This 
is a cute one fugitive outfit. You've got to have an outfit for every occasion. Just in case, just in case you have to be on run from the law, you have exactly. your black beanie. <laughs> she sneaks through the double doors, trying to avoid anyone seeing her face clearly. She checks charts, looking for any signs of her friends, but before she can find them, Xander finds her. The two hug, Buffy clearly relieved to see him up and about. She tells him that she was so worried that the cops... He tells her he knows. He heard them chase her out as he was coming too. And the others... What about them? Xander doesn't answer right away. Instead, he hugs her close as two cops are making their way down the hall. Once they're gone, the two separate, and Buffy jokes about how Xander's grabbing her was clearly equal parts protecting her and copying a feel. When he doesn't respond in kind, Buffy knows shit is serious. What is it? What's happened? That's when we go to Willow's room. Willow laying in a hospital bed, pale and unconscious. As Buffy and Xander stand beside her, Xander explains how the doctors say it's head trauma, how she could wake up at any time, but the longer it goes on, the less likely that is. Buffy clearly blames herself for all this, gently smoothing Willow's hair away from her face as she says that she never should have let her try the curse. That Angelus must have known somehow. She asks about Willow's parents and Xander says they were with some relatives in Phoenix, but he called them and they're going to be on the next flight back. And Oz? Oh shit. Xander didn't even think about Oz. He'll call him. Someone enters the room and Xander and Buffy immediately snap to attention. Thankfully, it's only Cordelia. And we only use the term only because it's not a cop or a vampire. We do have <laughs> Cordelia. Yes, yes. I have to of- say, though, the writers always know to get us right in the feels because, like, Willow, everybody loves Willow. Yeah. And so when you want to break people's hearts, you put Willow in trouble. Poor Willow. Xander immediately goes to her, the two embracing and sharing a quick kiss before Cordelia asks how she is. The doctor told her that Xander says, yeah, they're still waiting. Buffy then asks Cordelia if she's okay. She is. She ran. Made it about three counties before she realized no one was chasing her. Not too brave, huh? Buffy tells her it was the right thing to do. As Xander asks if Giles managed to keep up. Cordelia never saw Giles. Wait, so he's not in the hospital? Buffy frowns as she begins to realize what that means. The mansion. I like... I I do love this scene because I love Cordelia's line there where she feels kind of ashamed Mm -hmm. that she ran. But Buffy understands that she's not a fighter and that she, you know, if if every if because at that point, people were being not survivor's guilt. Yeah. 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 And, And also realizing that Giles wasn't with her. Yeah. And also and and her being concern for willow as well so again she has the best character arc of the entire series she does to go from where she was at the beginning to where she ends up and then even beyond that and of course like we all know that charisma got fucked over in angel but she still does continue that arc in angel yeah the first three seasons we do we do pretty well (laughs) yeah yeah I don't know. It's third season where stuff gets weird. At least the first two seasons yeah. we do really well. Yeah. I don't know when I, I, stuff starts to get super weird. I stopped watching Angel after it just started to get too weird. I was yeah, like, I yeah. Can't. Mary, I can't wait for us to go on that ride because... Yeah, I like remember like maybe three episodes of Angel. So yeah. it's going to be fun. Yeah. Plus you get to... you Then you get to... Uh, you really get to hear me simping over Christian Kane in that series. Oh, the, Christian the lawyer. Kane. Yeah, yeah. Because I do... Yeah. Yeah, because I do love I do love some Christian Kane. 
Giles lays on the floor, just coming to as Angelus also lays there, creepily staring at him. Oh, my God. I mean, I would creepily <laughs> stare at Giles when he's sleeping, too. But I don't have... Boreanaz plays this so well. He does. He really does. I think as much as I, I, mean, I hate Giles, Giles does, too. Yes, you know, and, and yeah. we're going to talk. We're going to talk about uh, Tony's method for this in a, in a little bit. But um, yeah, as much as I hate Giles being tortured, I think Angelus is at some of his best. Oh yeah, in these scenes, in, like the two of them playing off each other. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, we've, some of the we've best. joked. We've we've joked about Angelus just being the worst. <laughs> yes, the worst, and just being so dumb. But yeah, in these scenes with David and Tony, they're both phenomenal. Yeah. And it's and the thing is, it's like this is not one of those shows that is usually considered Emmy winning performances. <sighs> but between the two of them, like it was some of the best. There is best a lot of Emmy award winning acting here. We're especially going to talk about people who deserve Emmys when we get to Buffy and Joyce later. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And let's I mean, this is part of this is uh, not just Emmys, but Academy Awards. They they tend to look at sci-fi and fantasy series as like weird fringe stuff. Yeah. And until Game of Thrones came about. Which yeah. well, actually wasn't it Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Rings. that started that? No, no. Lord so of- Lord of the Rings for the Academy Awards. Okay. And then Oh yeah, Game yeah. For Thrones TV. For yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So Lord of the Rings started that whole thing where it's like, oh, now we can recognize this. And it's like part of this was because of the part of the reason that these series weren't recognizing the way that they should have been was because the technology wasn't quite there yet. And with Lord of the Rings, they started to have the kind of technology where people were like, oh, this looks beautiful. So now we can also recognize other things. Yes. Yeah. And like filming everything in New Zealand was like New Zealand. New Zealand was another character in Mm -hmm. in those movies. And yeah, and, and it is nice. I mean, I from from somebody who has spent so much time in fantasy genre seeing Game of Thrones, Ugh. as popular as it was, was wild. Yeah, it like, really was wild. And then, and then my again, mom watched that was, it. My mom it watched had, it. My mom hates that kind of stuff. It had to do. Part of it had to do, I think, with the fact that the technology got better because, yeah. like you know, um, in this series, we can talk about it when we get to the end with Akathla and mm-hmm. how I kind of found the technology they used for Akathla in the end to be very disappointing. Oh, it but was very I yeah, mean, yeah. It's a TV. It's it's a TV series on a network show. What are you going to do? But when you have HBO money behind you, yeah. you're like, let's hire people to create. Uh, you know, CGI dragons. Which yeah, the technology didn't exist at the time. Or I mean, and also we have to remember, like, yeah, the CGI in Buffy was really cheesy, but that's because so much of Buffy was practical effects. Oh yeah, right. so much yeah. of it was. Is it Todd? I think it's Todd McIntosh yeah. and his makeup. Mm-hmm. Like and like because they talked about like in Go Fish with like the chest plate that yeah. like Wentworth Miller and they were like, we only have one of these things. You can't fuck up. Yeah, but like and, it was—it uh, was all makeup and practical do, effects. We do talk about poor Wentworth. He was so <laughs> snowing over his head. Yeah, and there's only you know I I do think I think a blend of CGI and practical is is good because if yeah. you have too much CGI you end up with the Star Wars prequels. I was gonna say yes, freaking everything is CGI and it looks terrible. Don't search my space diner. Yeah, no the well, but then you know you look at the Mandalorian which blends practical and then yes. the the set is like oh, a 3D the, kind of CGI yeah, thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I like I always love seeing behind the scenes like and the whole thing the whole thing with 
Baby Yoda was he was mostly the puppet. And I right. still love there's there's a, a quote from Werner Herzog about like <laughs> we were gonna they were gonna make him CG and he was like, Don't do it, you cowards. <laughs> <laughs> like when Werner Herzog <laughs> tells you that you need to keep using this green puppet you you're do gonna, it you're gonna do it but I'm like Use and i'm imagining puppet. him in that character yes. like in the whole costume and the whole like don't do it you coward yes <laughs> but then also like i love the behind the scenes of people carrying it around and it became part of the cast like everybody was treating it like it was a small child I would too. Like, yeah, it's cute. It is. That would have been what I took home from the set with me. Oh like, yeah. Don't mind these stuffy. Got a Grogu in my bag. bag. Oh well. Um, and then, or you could be like, you could be like Ewan, who took home several lightsabers. <laughs> yeah. Me and I are still trying to figure out how they're going to keep that man clothed through all of like. Oh the yeah, yeah. yeah. We're just discussing yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I told and I'm excited. I'm excited for naked Obi-Wan. He's like, this is the part where I wander the desert without my clothes on. All right. Or can I get at least like a shower sequence? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Like, okay, we, we get dirty. all that He's sand off. Oh, yeah. yeah. We gotta watch. I mean, it is Tatooine. You got to get the yeah. sand off. Oh, okay. <laughs> Again, and that's another podcast. Back to Angelus. We could do, we could do a podcast about the Ewan McGregor cinematic universe. Yes, we could. He greets him with a hi, Rupert, before telling him that he wasn't sure he was going to wake up. He had him worried. They both start to get up as Giles asks Angelus what he wants. He wants to torture him. It's been a while, and he loves it. The last time he tortured someone, they didn't even have chainsaws. (laughs) As he says this, he begins moving towards a Kathla, which Giles finally notices. Oh, yeah, Kathla. Harder guy to wake up than him. Angela says he did the whole ritual. Sacrifice, blood on his hands, nada. All that trouble and he got nothing. But Giles, he is pretty up on these things. So Angelus figured he could tell him what he was doing wrong. But honestly, he's kind of hoping he doesn't. Because as he said, he really wants to torture him. At the Summer's home, a cop comes down the stairs as Joyce talks to some others, including what appears to be a homicide detective. She tells him there must be some terrible mistake. And she has no idea where her daughter is? No. She said she was going over to her friend Willow's house. Maybe she slept over? Is that Willow Rosenberg? Yes. The detective turns to the cop, reminding him, or maybe telling him for the first time, that Willow is the second victim. What? The cop continues his questioning. Buffy, she has a history of violence, doesn't she? (laughs) Well... With a knowing smirk, the detective hands Joyce's card. Call him. You know, if Buffy decides to stop by, it would be best if she just comes in. I want to call this guy an asshole, but I'm like, is he an asshole? But see, and here they do mention her history of Yeah, yeah. I think he's a little too smug. Yeah. Because I was like, he is like trying to find someone he presumes is guilty. Yeah, Yeah, I think the annoying thing is the smugness. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's 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 like, hey, you know, because the one thing like that I I mean, I do, you know, having watched so much Law and Order is like, hey, you know, we're looking for this person. They're in connection to this thing because they don't have any proof at the moment. Right. No. That she did anything. She just happened to be, be there. there. Yeah. So yeah, he's way too smug for somebody who is just investigating a crime. But then again, it is Sunnydale, and you know, oh, he Sunnydale. might he might know more than he he's might. letting on. You know, I saw Mayor of Easttown, and <laughs> in Mayor of Easttown, 
Kate Winslet's character knows all of the things that happen with the people in the town. And you think these cops would be a little bit more sympathetic because it's a small town and they understand who everybody is. I so. am, I'm, I'm cracking up because Jackie, that's my area. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I know those people. And yeah, that is... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that it's very it's very accurate. Plus, the, if, did you see the SNL sketch about from Mayor no, of Easttown? I'm gonna need to see that. Yeah, it, it makes it even more ridiculous. But yeah, so if you think you know those, what I'm talking about, then yeah. it's like if you're in a small town, presumably you like it's not like a random outside police force. It's like these cops clearly have mentioned that they know that you have a rap sheet, and they're acting all smug and rude about it. But it's like. I think you know what's going on here, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Buffy, meanwhile, is at Giles's, hoping beyond hope that her fear from the hospital is unfounded. But when she bursts in, she finds not Giles, but Whistler. Yay! Yay! Coming down the stairs from the loft above. Buffy asks who he is, and he introduces himself. What is he doing there? Can we talk about how Buffy has become immune to being startled by things? Because if I was at... (laughs) my, you know, fatherly figure's house and somebody just started walking down the (laughs) stairs and I knew he was not there, I would be like, wait, who is this? Who are you? And she's just kind of like, all right. I like I just bring like I just like thinking about Whistler waiting there. <laughs> yes. And like drinking tea and eating biscuits. Yeah, like I just like the idea of Whistler just sitting upstairs looking at his watch. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's got a magazine in his pocket. <laughs> I mean, we don't have smartphones at this point, so he can't right. be playing Angry Birds on his phone. <laughs> he's just reading like Watcher's Digest weekly. Oh, he's just yeah, something. he's just Watch. he's just thumbing through the cuz you know that you know that Giles keeps, you know, historical texts on his nightstand, you know. Right. Well, of course just, he does. Yeah, so he's just sitting up there waiting, just waiting. And then the door opens like, oh, there she is. Okay, now I got to put now myself I have to emerge. I have to put myself together. And uh. but yeah, I just I love anything where somebody has been waiting for somebody. Because <laughs> how long has they how long were they there? He was just using the bathroom, going through a snack. Oh, yeah, yeah. Eating so making, yeah. making himself <laughs> making himself a snack, a pot of tea. <laughs> What is he doing there, waiting for her? Why? Well, he needs a date to the prom. Buffy does not seem to find Whistler as charming as we do. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe it's just the stress. It's probably the stress and the fact that she was coming to look for Giles and found yet another weirdo who she's never seen before. She slams him against the wall, telling him that she has had a really bad day. Yeah. So if he has info worth knowing, then out with it. But if he is just there to waste her time, (laughs) then she is going to tear out his ribcage and wear it as a hat. (laughs) I love that imagery. (laughs) Because a ribcage would make a terrible hat. (laughs) So... When I was typing up my notes and I got to that part, I was like, I have very vivid memories of you yelling this. Like, all the time. One of my favorite lines in the series. I just, it's, it is literally because I see the image very literally and then think of Buffy wearing a ribcage as a hat. And I'm like, it's just a really bad hat. <laughs> oh, not this 
once fashion. No, no, no. no. It would it would be more as like a corset or something. Like yeah, yeah it definitely, But I like that she went with hat. Yeah. I yeah. appreciate the odd juxtaposition. It was, you know what? And it's one of those things where when you're in the moment and you're really stressed out and you're shouting, sometimes you do shout the most ridiculous things. Yeah. As she lets up, Whistler straightens his suit, which is it's just horrid and brown. <laughs> It's, it's awful. Straightening well, doesn't it's like make it, it look goes better. back to Angel saying, I, I want to be like you, but I don't want to dress like yeah. you. <laughs> With a hello to the imagery. Very nice. <laughs> Buffy just continues to stare at him. And so he begins to explain. It wasn't supposed to go down like this. Nobody saw her coming. He figured this for Angel's big day, but he thought he was there to stop a and not bring him forth. But then the two of them made with the smoochies and now he's a creep again. <laughs> so what is she going to do? What is she prepared to do? Whistler, sir, is this part of your whole my curse is nobody understands me? Because don't sit there and tell me you didn't see Buffy coming. You took Angel to see her. Oh. Like, <laughs> you did this. <laughs> I just really, I just, and, and you know he found her pretty. Yeah. You said, like, yeah, you should have, don't tell me you didn't see this coming. He, did, he didn't have any real foresight. But Whistler he wasn't thinking too far down the line. No, I don't think Whistler does think too far down the line. No, he doesn't. He doesn't Which seem like a planner. Which is weird for a demon who has been sent on <laughs> Earth to settle the score between good and evil. But, you know. He, he, he strikes me as a I'm thinking a month at a time. Kind of character. Kind of character. Yeah. Buffy says she's prepared to do whatever she has to do. So Whistler changes directions. What is she prepared to give up? Buffy scoffs. He doesn't have anything useful to tell her, does he? What? He's just some immortal demon sent down to help settle the score between good and evil? Whistler tells her, good guess. <laughs> well, then why doesn't he try getting up off his immortal ass and helping to fight evil? Because she's tired of doing it herself. In the end, you're always by yourself. You're all you've got. Fantastic foreshadowing. <laughs> I know. Yep, I love yep. the foreshadowing in this series in general. Yes. Yeah. Buffy says to spare her and starts to head out. As she's leaving, Whistler begins to call after her. The sword isn't enough. She has to be ready. She has to know how to use it. A nearby park. Buffy walks alone, heading to knows where. I love this scene. This is my favorite scene in the entirety of the series. I know, I know, I love it. I understand. I'm so excited right now. A cop car pulls up. Getting out of the car, one of the officers immediately pulls his gun and tells Buffy to stop. Hands on her head. She starts to do so as someone shows up. Yay! And it's the cop knocking them out. Though we get glimpses of them during the fight, it's not until the cop is fully down and out that we see it's Spike. Yay! Who greets Buffy Yay! with a, hello, cutie. Yes. Okay, first off, he calls her love in the script, and he calls her love a lot. Yes. Yeah. He also calls her pet a lot in this conversation. I'm just like, yeah, really, but sir? those are all British terms of endearment. They are. Know? They yes. are. And, I, and, and like we talked about it last week, rewatching this episode, I am really glad they cut the scene where like Spike is voicing his doubts about because just. The element of surprise when this mm-hmm. happened. Yes. And I, I do remember watching it for the first time. And I just remember being like, the fuck is happening? Right? Like, yes. Like, your mind what? is blown because Spike is like, Spike is like a favorite bad guy. And the idea of him ta- teaming up with our hero is, is very exciting. Yeah, I love that. Like, I love, I, I love uh, the enemy of my enemy is my friend thing. Yes. yes. And yeah. I mean, I, we, I've seen this episode a million and two times, and I still get that rush uh-huh. every yeah. time. This, I mean, obviously, we're all very, like, very amped up right now, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is such a good scene. 
Yeah. And like, and I like where I love where it's going. Yes. <laughs> now that like when they get back to the house, like it's the just... other thing is, you know, that James Marsters just loves playing this role. Yeah. Oh, and I, so I think I think it, it, it reminds me of how how obsessed Tom Hiddleston is. With oh, yeah. It's like, yes. <laughs> it's like Tom someone <laughs> someone who has found their their character and they just love playing this character. And, and you can tell that like James Marsters also being a British trained actor. Yeah. Was like he he just like really like delved into it and was like chewing the scenery. No, it, the, the fact that Tom Hiddleston went to Owen Wilson's house to give him a crash course in the character of Loki. Like, the fact that I think he did that to like everyone who was working yeah. on the series and they were like, what? Oh my God. Like I'm wearing my uh, variant. Oh, I thought that that's oh, what it was. Yeah. Yeah. No, nobody like if you think you love Loki, nobody loves Loki as much as Tom Hiddleston loves Loki. No, no. <laughs> Spike moves towards Buffy as she immediately goes into attack mode. But while he is trying to contain her, it's clear he's not fighting back, <clears throat> telling her to hold on a second. That's when she pulls out the stake. Hands up. He tells her white flag. He quits, which causes her to want to clear some things up for him. Like the fact that they are mortal enemies and therefore he does not get a timeout. <laughs> Spike tells her if she wants to go around, then hey, he'll have a gay old time of it. But if she wants to stop Angel, well, then they're going to have to play this a bit differently. What is he talking about? He's talking about her ex, about putting him in the bloody ground. Still not believing it. Buffy says, this has got to be the lamest trick they've ever pulled. <laughs> I mean, I under I I like that they put her skepticism in there, too, because like, obviously he's bad. So, yeah, Yeah. that's when Spike tells her they've got her watcher right now. They're probably torturing him. What does he want? He told her he wants to stop Angel. He wants to save the world. I just I. There's so much love here. I can't. <laughs> I know. I know. Like my notes, I think, are just like squeaky noises at this point. She asks him if he remembers he's a vampire, and <laughs> yay! Just yay! And just and I love how Buffy's like, I've had a long day. Please don't mess with me. Right. Just I, I, I'm too tired for this. He tells her they like to talk big. Vampires do. I'm going to destroy the world. It's just tough guy talk. Strutting around with your friends over a pint of blood. Truth mm-hmm. is, he likes this world. They've got dog racing, Manchester United, and they've got people. Billions of people walking around like Happy Meals with legs. <laughs> it's all right here. I Just the casual nature of this speech, the way he's like searching for a smoke while doing it, and just everything it's, about this yeah. moment is perfect. Yeah, this mm-hmm. this is like, because I, I love Spike because like, you know, we, we know he gets he gets better later on, but he's just like, I'm a bad guy, but I don't want to be evil. Like, I don't need to destroy the entire world. I like it here. There is a lot of fun stuff here. See, look, we got something in common. I like this world. You like this world. Let's team up and save the world together. And then we can fight again later. I, I, you know, what's interesting is like, I, I was reading the, the watcher's guide and they did point out that Spike, this is kind of a switch for Spike because he had wanted the judge, like he, he had brought up the judge, you know, who was kind of trying to bring about a hell on earth previously 
And then he has this turnaround, possibly because of Angel or something else, where he's like, this is just dumb. I can't, I don't know what's going to happen. And I can't have as fun as I want to have if the world isn't the same. Yeah. 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 Lighting up, he continues. But then someone comes along with a vision, a real passion for destruction. Angel could pull it off. Goodbye, Piccadilly. Farewell, Leicester Bloody Square. You know what he's saying? Buffy sighs. Okay, fine. He's not down with Angel. But why would he ever come to her? He wants Drew back. Wants it like it was before. Angelus came back the way she acts around him. Buffy tells him he's pathetic. And I, hold on there, Missy. <laughs> I'm like, don't you even start. <laughs> Remember, she's had a bad day. She, is, she has. She has had a very bad day. Yeah, she's had a very rough day. Her best friend's in the hospital. Her father figure is currently being tortured she's wanted for murdering somebody it's a whole thing she's allowed to be cranky he hits her and she hits him back she lost a friend tonight and she may lose more and he wants her help because his girlfriend is a big hoe (laughs) spike tells her he wasn't part of that raiding party and i just realized even though buffy saw spike in the wheelchair in surprise she doesn't seem very shocked that he's up and about now, but I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe she doesn't know like the the length of vampire healing abilities. Yeah, and also she's having a rough day. That's probably uh, that's the last thing on her she's mind. Like preoccupied. Yeah. Buffy says, let her take this opportunity not to care. He can't fight them both alone and neither can she. Buffy hits him again. She hates him. <laughs> and he's all she's got. All right, talk. Just let him kill this guy. <laughs> he moves towards the cop as Buffy clears her throat. Oh, right. She suggests they get inside <laughs> as they head off together. All right, so so let's 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 break down the speech, shall we? Uh, like I mentioned, he calls Buffy pet several times, but that it is that is British British slang. But I'm just mm-hmm. like, that's a lot of pet names for her. Uh, just something to think about based on later stuff. <laughs> uh, then we have Manchester United, Happy Meals, and Goodbye Piccadilly, Farewell, Oh Leicester Square. So I'll start with the last of those. Goodbye Piccadilly, Farewell Leicester Square are actually lyrics from It's a Long Way to Tipperary. It's a long way to Tipperary. Yeah. (laughs) It's a British music hall song first performed in 1912, about 32 years after Spike became a vampire. However, the song became most popular during the First World War when it became a marching song for British soldiers. So good to know Spike kept up with British trends even after dying. (laughs) Happy Meals, we all know, or maybe we don't because I know they're not called Happy Meals in every country. I think Japan calls them Happy Sets. But they are the McDonald's version of a kid's meal, and they first appeared during the summer of 1979. Though, if people are Happy Meals, what does Spike think the toy surprise is? Their insides. Oh, well, there we go. (laughs) Their wallet. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'll take it. I'll take it. And Manchester United. For this, I went to Hallie. And asked her to give me her Yay. uncensored opinion of uh, the her, team. Un, her unbiased opinion? Her, no, oh, no, it's not unbiased. Uh, no, no. It's that uncensored. Was, that was a very... <laughs> it's very biased. But um, just quickly, for those of you who might not know, Manchester United is a Premier League soccer or football team that almost everyone has played on. David Beckham, Cristiano Ronaldo. Not Vinnie Jones, though. Which is hysterical because in Eurotrip, he plays a hooligan obsessed with Manchester United. Anyway, according to Hallie, they are scum of the earth, (laughs) a blight on Manchester. Oh my God. And no true men can call themselves a Manchester United fan. (laughs) She is, if you could not guess, a Man City fan. She's a city. I was going to say she has to be a city fan. Also in the original, uh, Spike included Love Boat in the list of things that they (laughs) said about this world. 
So along with soap operas, Spike enjoys 70s television. Oh my god. I would love seeing him I would love to have him watch an episode of like the Golden Girls. Yes. I could see him liking the Golden Girls. Yeah. Spike would consider himself to be a Dorothy. Oh he yes. Oh yeah. Yep. Oh my god. Back in the hospital, Xander and Cordelia are still keeping watch over Willow. Cordelia asks Xander if he wants some coffee, and when he confesses that he doesn't want to leave Willow in case she wakes, she offers to go get it, leaving the two friends alone. Xander sits quietly for a moment before reaching for Willow's hand with his own, the one not in a cast. (laughs) He pleads with her to wake up, telling her that she doesn't really have a choice. He needs her. How is he going to pass Trig? And who is he going to call every night and talk about what they did all day? She's his best friend. They've always... He stops before telling her that he loves her. Which, of course, is when Willow starts to stir, fingers twitching. Xander says her name, and Willow, she calls for Oz. I love this moment, and also makes me, like, every time Willow and Oz have a cute moment, it makes me really mad about by erasure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Also because, like, had, and I mean, we can can talk about this way more in later seasons, but had Seth Green not wanted to leave the show, they would have stayed together and it would have been Oz's death that pushed Willow over the edge. Because Dark Willow was always going to be a thing. Oh, yeah. Like, that was the trajectory for Willow. Yeah. But it would have been Oz. I mean, I do appreciate because, I mean, I... It worked out in a way that I think the kiss between Willow and Tara was one of the first it was prime Mm -hmm. time like female like female on female kisses on television which is amazing like a feat in itself especially on a show for teenagers right but just the fact that you retcon her into being gay and then kind of do this thing where we say bi people don't exist yeah like it's and it sucks like because Oz is obviously an important part of Willow's development as a person. He gave her like, because a lot, a lot of what happens with her and Oz, she is the one that's initiating things. He is very respectful of her boundaries. And she's the one that's saying, no, I want this. And I, I will say, though, they don't fix it completely. And that was one of my few issues with the with the sequel book is like, we're writing this in 2021. We have the chance to bring up the fact that mm-hmm. Willow is bi. Yeah. And they, and they don't implicitly say it. But again, this is a trilogy. Who knows? They do because Willow and Oz are the two main adults in this. Uh, aside from Spike, I don't know if we're going to call him an adult. <laughs> um, <laughs> they they do emphasize how important they are to each yeah. other and what their history means to one another. So I'm like, we're on the road to repairing the bi erasure. Yeah. But we're not mm-hmm. quite there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, and that it by erasing that fact it erases how important he was to her. And it erases, of how, again, how he helped her develop as a person. Oz, who has just arrived, goes to her side, saying he's there. Giving up his seat, Xander says he's going to go find a doctor as Oz takes Willow's hand, asking how she's feeling. Her head. It feels big. Is it big? No, it's head-sized. He lays a gentle kiss to her forehead before Willow asks if everyone else is okay. This scene is, like, important for so many ways. Like, like we just said, Oz and Willow and... And Willow, Willow calling for Oz after hearing I love you is a sign that she is over Xander at this yep. point. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now it's Xander who's not over her. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like yep. they've they've switched places they've switched at this point. It. Yeah. Yeah. She and, the, and that's kind of what makes me mad about what's going to happen later is that Willow was in such a good place with Oz. She and was. then they completely 
erased it. Or not erased it, not erased it, but no, because they, 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 yeah, they do stay together. It just still broke something that, yeah, yeah, it's. And you also have to wonder how much Xander's I love you is romantic. Like he feels it is in that that moment, but how much of that is the reaction to he almost lost his best friend. Right. Yeah. So he doesn't really know what he's feeling. Because he's a teenage boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like he's going to go fuck up their lives because he doesn't understand the like, I can't lose this person who's always been next to me my entire life. Is it actually romantic love? Yes. And that you can love your friends. So it's just, it's like so much of this episode, it's it's very, the scene is very important to what happens moving forward. Yep, yep. Yeah. Yeah. And no, everyone else is not okay. <laughs> no. Because we next see Giles still at the mansion, tied up and bloody. Poor Giles. Across from him, Angela sits cleaning Giles's glasses. And well, isn't that nice of him? Uh, can we let him go? That would be nicer. Well, it would be nicer, but he is at least making sure that Giles can see what is happening. Okay, maybe it would have been better not to clean uh, glasses. As somebody with bad eyes, I don't want to see what's going to be coming at me. Please break my glasses and just let me go. <laughs> Taking the glasses back over, he sets them on Giles' face, telling him he's impressed and asking how he's holding up. Never better. He's clearly in pain, but his resolve remains. He will give Angelus nothing. Something Angelus seems glad about because the longer Giles holds out, the more he gets to torture him. He settles down next to Giles for round whatever this is, (laughs) telling him to let him know when it hurts. So to get himself in a properly agonizing frame of mind... Anthony chopped up tiny chili peppers. I, yes. And he popped them in his mouth before every torture scene. Yep. So that's why, like, he's got the sweating and, like, agonizing face down because his (laughs) mouth is literally on fire while they're filming these. That's dedication for a teen supernatural drama. Yeah. Buffy and Spike arrive at the Summers' home. Buffy's still eyeing the vampire warily as they head up the walk. As they approach the house, Joyce pulls into the drive, calling Buffy's name before jumping out of the car. Where has she been? Is she okay? The police were there. She's been looking for her. Buffy tells her mom that she'll explain, but they need to go inside. Joyce, however, is distracted by Spike. Who is this man? Who are you? (laughs) Buffy assures Joyce she's fine, but Joyce continues. Terrible things have happened. What was she doing? This conversation surprises Spike, who looks at Buffy. Her mom doesn't know. What? Why would he think her mother? I know, but you know, it's Spike. He doesn't understand parents at this point. He doesn't understand you. I love everything about this scene going forward, Uh too. I, Uh you know... Because it was going to, I think they had to do this because it was going to be harder and harder for Buffy to hide this from Joyce. Yeah. And I mean, especially when you look at like, originally, (laughs) they just weren't going to ever show the parents. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, no, no, because people are going to start asking, why are these people's parents never around? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they. I think this is like a natural progression of, okay, at this point, people are going to be like, it's ridiculous. Joyce never notices anything. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so you had to, now we got to clue her in and move yeah. forward. Yeah, because so, it can only go so far with the whole, your daughter gets in trouble all the time. Right. right. Yeah. Without her wanting to, to drastically do something for Buffy, you mm-hmm. know. So in my like, why does Spike think he, she told her mom? I also was then like, okay, well, later we find out that like Spike basically told his mom everything. So I'm just like, oh, is this like a sweet summer vampire moment? He's <laughs> like, he thinks everybody shares everything with their moms. Maybe. He's such a good, he's such a good boy. <laughs> he is. 
Is he though? I don't know. About I'm, that. I'm, I'm saying I that in a... was a poet who just wanted to marry a nice girl. <laughs> and he loves his mom. And he loves, he was going to turn his mom into a vampire so she wouldn't die of like tuberculosis. <laughs> he was a nice boy and jealous ruined him. <laughs> Gave it anxiety is what you did. You <laughs> took a perfectly good monkey and gave it anxiety. Apparently <laughs> one of those days. <laughs> Buffy looks like she's going to murder Spike right then and there as Joyce asks, know what? What is she supposed to know? That uh, Buffy's in a band. A rock band. <laughs> I love this With Spike. Like... <laughs> The first idea you could think of was... Again, she's having a tough day. Well, but it makes sense because Spike does look like he's in a band. He does. He does look like he's in a rock band. Yeah. 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 She plays the uh, triangle drums. (laughs) 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 Spike's so mean for saying that too. Like, you can't play an actual instrument. You have to play triangle. Ding, ding, ding. And Buffy's like, fuck no. I play a real instrument. I think I think the drums the drums is more realistic for her to be able to play than her saying the guitar or something because that would have yeah. just been like. But then Joyce is probably like, "Where are you getting? Where are you going with the like? How did you get the drums? At Whose school? Drums are you playing? At school? I guess she does play it at school. Yeah. Why is the school allowing a rock band to happen? I mean, this was the nineties. It's not a lot of stuff happened in the nineties, Jackie. <laughs> We did not have a rock band at our school in the 90s. Uh, well, you also went to an all-girls Catholic school. So. We also played hide-and-seek with nuns at our school, Jackie. <laughs> we had some pretty special nuns. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know. Maybe it was the 90s. Maybe they were a garage band. Maybe they were in Spike's garage. That's true. That's true. Yeah, she's a uh, hell on the old skins, really. Uh-huh. <laughs> Joyce isn't quite believing this, and so uh, she turns to Spike. I'm with Joyce. What, what does he do? <laughs> well, he sings. <laughs> and he does! Yes, he does! Yes, that's does. perfect. <laughs> Joyce, to her credit, looks mostly amused by that. As Buffy once again suggests they go inside to talk, Joyce says she's not sure how she feels about this right before a vampire jumps out of the bushes and attacks them. Buffy grabs him, and between her and Spike, they get him dusted. One of Angel's boys, most likely keeping track of Buffy. Or Spike. Oh well, he won't get a chance to tattle on them now. Okay, good point. I mean, we know Angelus is a bit distracted. Mm-hmm. Where do Drew and Angelus think Spike is right now? Because we know from previous episodes, Spike has not really left the mansion while in the chair. So, like, was he just banking on them, not asking? I think at this okay, point... you have to remember, though, this is Angel, who's a foofa doofus. <laughs> <laughs> and Drusilla, who's out of her mind. <laughs> I, think I mean, it- we're not talking about the, the brightest person is Spike. <laughs> I think at this point, it's reached... It's reached the point where Spike is just like, you know what? Fuck it all. I'm not even going to try to keep up the act anymore. I need to do something. I'm going to go find the Slayer. Angel is distracted with torturing poor Giles. So, and again, I mean, Spike could have put a, he could have put like a stuffed person of himself in a bed. And the two of them would have been like, ah, he's napping. (laughs) 
dude like put the pillow put the pillows underneath the comforter and just pull the comforter up yes. and put a fake put a fake wig <laughs> yep. for his hair on the top yeah, like a blonde wig i'm gonna need this like, <laughs> and drusilla's just walking around like oh my darling you're just having a nap i'm gonna wander down and see what angel is doing oh he's just torturing the librarian i'm gonna go eat some of my birds oh there's miss edith <laughs> <sighs> the deleted scene we all need. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and you need to you need to have you need to see him setting it up and putting the blonde wig. Yes. like like just laying it Bueller style. Yes, yes. The yes. thing ready. And, yes. and do you guys remember when he drew the picture of Angel with the little fangs yes. on it? Yes, yes. Yeah. yes. I imagine that's what the face looks like. Yes. <laughs> <sighs> Of course, this was all witnessed by Joyce, who wants to know what is going on. <laughs> so do we. That's, that's when it happens. Buffy steps forward and tells her mother she's a vampire slayer. The look on Joyce's face clearly says, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a perfect reaction from Chris. Mm-hmm. Like, it is just. Yeah. <laughs> we go back to the hospital then, checking in on Willow, who's on the phone with Buffy, letting her know that she's awake. She doesn't feel good, but she's awake and knows her name, the president, how many fingers. So the doctors say her brain probably didn't get mushed at all. <laughs> While she's talking, Oz brings her some jello before settling, settling in with a comic book. And they're just so cute. They're so yeah, cute. They're really cute. We're then back in the Summer's house with Buffy, who's beyond grateful to hear that Willow has no lasting damage. She's sorry she can't be there. Willow knows, and she's sorry she couldn't cure Angel. This whole conversation flips between Buffy and Angel, but it's a bit tedious to say that all the time. So just trust me. Yes. Buffy tells her, don't be. It wasn't meant to be. She knows she's never going to get him back the way he was. It just makes it easier. Willow says she guesses. Any luck finding Giles? Yep. She got a lucky break. What? Buffy says Willow wouldn't believe her if she told her. (laughs) (laughs) Which is when we go to Joyce and Spike in the living room. I love this scene. Yes. (laughs) But before that, Buffy's resolve in the conversation is important. Like, just, again, we're gonna gonna talk about that later, but Buffy's resolve is very important because Mm -hmm. she knows Angel is gone. That Angelus has not only stalked and terrorized them, not only killed innocent victims to get to her, not only killed Miss Calendar, but he has also taken Giles and is torturing him and is hell-bent on destroying the world. She needs to be ready to do what she has to. Yep. And like the conversation with Xander in part one, and like something I'm going to mention a little bit later, Xander's lie is going to tie into all of this. Because because she can't hesitate. She can't pull, she can't hold her punches anymore. Yep. But again, we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a few minutes. <laughs> anyway, Spike and Joyce, chilling <laughs> awkwardly in the living room. <laughs> so awkwardly, in fact, that the stage directions say the atmosphere is like it's Sunday and he's come according. <laughs> <laughs> And I love this moment because technically in a roundabout way, it starts like their friendship, which is the purest and best friendship in the entire series. Oh, I love it. I love yeah. It. I love it. Yeah. But we only get a quick shot of them and then we're back in the kitchen. Buffy talks to Xander, who's also in the hospital room. She lets him know that the vampires are holed up outside of town in that funky looking mansion on Crawford Street, which apparently Xander took enough notice of to point out to Buffy once. <laughs> she says she's going to hit it come daybreak. She'll need backup. No. She tells him to stay there. She's covered. Turning a bit and lowering his voice, Xander asks if she thinks Giles is still alive. She thinks he is. Or more like hopes he is. She just wishes he was there to tell her what to do. Back to the living room where Joyce asks Spike (laughs) if they've ever met. 
And Spike, honest as ever, answers, she hit him with an axe once. Uh, (laughs) Remember? Get the hell away from my daughter. I love the honesty of this scene. And I love love how honest and how awkward it is. Yes. 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 And how Joyce just like accepts that. She She just rolls with it. And just yeah. nods and is like, so do you live in town? <laughs> she, it, it's such a mom It is. Thing. It's, it's a mom thing. She's like, oh, okay, so I'm ready to, okay, so you live in town. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but before Spike can answer, Buffy returns and both Joyce and Spike stand. Is Willow all right? Yeah, she's fine. Moving to Spike, Buffy tells him to talk. What's the deal? Simple. She lets him and Drew skip town and he helps her kill Angel. Angel. Joyce is confused. Angel, her boyfriend? (laughs) Buffy tells him to forget about Drusilla. She doesn't walk. Spike tells her there's no deal without Drew. She killed Kendra. Drew bagged a slayer? She didn't tell him. Looking at Joyce, he nods and smiles, the picture of pride. Good for her. (laughs) All the while, Buffy stares at him like, seriously? He admits that maybe not from her perspective. (laughs) Buffy can't believe she invited him into her house. Joyce is beyond relieved. So Buffy didn't kill that girl? Of course not! (laughs) Did she explode like the man out there? She was a slayer mom. Like what you are? Buffy, Spike grabs Buffy's arm and directs her away from Joyce and her many questions. (laughs) He repeats that the deal only works one way and that is full stop. Him and Drew for Angel. Joyce interrupts asking if Buffy is sure she's a vampire slayer. (laughs) Spike meanwhile tells Buffy that he will take Drew out of the country and she will never hear from them again or so he bloody well hopes. (laughs) Oh, Spike, you liar. You, well, I mean, he, at this, he thinks at this moment he believes this to be he true. Believes yes, that, yes, yes, he firmly <laughs> believes it. Fine. She tells him to get back to the mansion and make sure Giles is all right. Joyce interrupts again. Has she tried not being a slayer? <laughs> Mom! <laughs> Spike starts to leave, and Buffy tells him to be ready to back her up when she makes her move. If Giles dies, so does Drew. He heads out, and Joyce says, This is because Buffy didn't have a strong father figure, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Which, ouch, that, that's some commentary on Hank there, because they've only been divorced two years. Yeah. So it's not like Buffy grew up without her dad. Joyce just thinks that Hank is useless, and that's why their daughter is killing vampires. <laughs> Buffy I mean, tells her mom that it's just fate. She's the slayer. Accept it. Joyce responds by saying they should call the police. No, they're not calling the police. Well, now that they know she's innocent, she thought she was guilty? Wow. Feeling the love in this room. <laughs> Joyce tells her that no, she didn't think that. It's just now they have proof. No, they don't. They have Buffy's word, and that's not exactly proof. Joyce is sure they'll understand. (laughs) Buffy tells her if they get them involved, they'll get them killed. Well, she's not going to hurt them, is she? She's a slayer, not a postal worker. Damn. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. That's, yeah. Joyce picks up the phone, and Buffy grabs it, hanging it back up. Cops can't fight demons. She has to do it. Do what? Joyce doesn't understand what's happening. Buffy tells her mom to just have another drink. And while I get that Buffy is under a lot of pressure here, I, I do. I That was a bit uncalled for. That was, yeah. Because it's not like Joyce is an alcoholic. Yeah, right? no, that right. was... Her mom was having a bit of bourbon to calm her nerves after seeing a right. man explode outside their house. Right. Yeah. I, I would need a drink to calm my nerves after seeing a man explode outside my house. Right. And my daughter being like, oh, yeah, no, that happens all the time. That That's a thing that I do. Yeah, I explode people into dust every night. I think that line was uncalled for. But I think the moment that comes next, uh, as it was written for teenagers who really feel that their parents don't understand them, which yes. is like, yeah, th- it's like a it's like a hallmark <laughs> 
thing of being a teenager yeah. is yeah. is have, feeling like you're not understood by your parents. Yeah. This clearly sets Joyce off as she throws her glass across the room and tells Buffy not to speak to her like that. She doesn't get to just jump something like this on Joyce and pretend it's nothing. Which, agreed. Yeah. The throwing the glass was a little much. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But again, everybody is like amped up to a million right now. Yeah. The only person who's chill right now is Spike. Yes. And he's left. So now they're just Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's... Buffy says she's sorry, but she doesn't have time for this. Joyce is tired of I don't have time or you wouldn't understand. I mean, she's her mother mm -hmm. and she will make time to explain. She just told her she's a vampire slayer. Well, she doesn't accept that. Buffy tells her to open her eyes. What does she think has been going on for the past two years? The fights, the weird occurrences. How many times has she washed blood out of her clothes and she still hasn't figured it out? Joyce tells her that it stops now. No, it doesn't stop. It never stops. Does she think she chose to be like this? Does she have any idea how lonely it is? How dangerous? She would love to be upstairs watching TV, gossiping about boys, or God, even studying. (laughs) But she has to save the world again. No, Joyce shakes her head. This is insane. She needs help. Throwing her mom's hands off, Buffy says she's not crazy. What she needs is her mom to chill. She has to go. Joyce says she's not letting Buffy out of the house, and Buffy says she can't stop her. She tries to do just that, and Buffy pushes her, sending her back into the counter as she goes to leave through the back door. Watching her, Joyce says if she leaves, don't even think about coming back. Buffy stares at her mom for a moment before walking away determinedly. She doesn't have a choice, after all. And the moment she's gone, Joyce just deflates. She knew she said the wrong thing, knew she handled this wrong, but was there really a good way to handle this? No. Sarah and Christine's acting here, like, this is what I was talking about. Like, everybody Mm. deserves an Emmy because when I was looking at the script, there is not a lot of stage directions through this other than, like, Buffy leaving and Joyce throwing the glass. So this this was all them, this raw emotion and vulnerability. This, one of my favorite things about this show has always been Sarah and Christine's performances together. Because, I mean, we always say it is a supernatural show, but at the very core, it's still a teen Teen drama drama that just deals with things in a different way. And their relationship has always been at the core of this show. And 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 I always I, I love and hate this whole moment because yes. Joyce was the last person in her life that she cared about who knew her before she became like really knew who she was before this. Like mm-hmm. yes. didn't know her secret, still just thought she was an ordinary girl. So Joyce finding out, I mean, and of course like we have Hank, but we never see Hank again and like Whatever. Like in Spain with his secretary or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's mentioned later. Yeah. But Joyce was the last grounding person from her original life. So now this this marks a real turning point for her. It does. And, and it, I, it's so there they've they've always and that and that is what makes <laughs> what comes so much further down the line. Yeah. Even more sad. And that whole, uh, like, and now I'm just thinking about that. I know. <laughs> no, not yet. I know. It's so, it's so far down the line. And but yeah, I mean, their relationship has always been such a core part of the series. And then, I mean, this is a scene where, like, you feel for both of them because you understand. You understand both sides. Both of them. Yep. Like, Buffy is in an impossible situation. Yeah. She doesn't have time to stop and walk her mom through this mm-hmm. step by step. She 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 is on a timeline or there's going to be no world. Mm-hmm. Literally. Mm-hmm. But Joyce 
yeah, your your daughter telling you that uh, she's this chosen warrior that's fighting things you didn't think exist. And that's what's been going on for her these past two years when you've been like, I don't know, worried she's on drugs or in a gang yeah, or. Yeah, or just and, so and, busy with your black market. Yes, you're so busy with your black market art deal. You're not knowing what's going on. And then she's just like, well, I can't explain more. I got to go. Like, you definitely feel for both of them. And and yes, Joyce said the absolute worst Worst thing thing. she could say at the end of that argument. But you see that she instantly regrets it. And and she doesn't think Buffy will take her seriously. You you will see that at the end where she like was figuring they talk about it in the morning. And and I mean, stuff like that, I mean, that happens in, in fights yeah. with your parents. Oh, yeah. Like, it's yeah. a very realistic, I, I feel like this is what I, I was saying. Um, I, I think probably one of the earlier times I was on this podcast where I feel like even though there's supernatural things going on, there's mm-hmm. a very realistic mm-hmm. de- depiction of of these relationships. Yes. And that's that's one thing about this show that always struck me is it's not just a supernatural so many supernatural shows are just about supernatural yeah. things or you have the main character and the love interest and that's where the only other drama comes from you don't have a lot of storylines like this that really realistically depicts family and friends alongside of what's going on no mm-hmm. and i love and and joyce later on in season three like i love her because she's trying to to be supportive she's trying so hard and it's so it's such it's such a cute thing where she's just like oh i brought a picnic along with me like trying because it and it's such the 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 whole thing of a mom being overly supportive like when you like it i always think of deb from queer as folk yes oh Oh, yeah yeah like I like I love Deb so much because she is that mom that she's supportive, but she's overly supportive. Mikey would like her to not be that supportive. Yeah, like, Uh, you know, like so. So that's kind of how I I feel with Joyce trying to be supportive of Buffy doing the slaying thing. She just is going a little too far. Right. At the hospital, Cordelia paces, talking about how Buffy has gone for the big showdown and how she wishes there was something they could do to help. You know, that wouldn't involve dying. Xander doesn't see how. That's when Willow says she wants to try again. Try what? The curse. She tells Oz and the others they never got to finish it. She thinks she can do it, that they can restore Angel's soul. Xander doesn't like it. She's talking about messing with powerful forces and she's weak. She says she's okay. And Xander says she doesn't look okay, does she? He looks to Cordelia and Oz for confirmation. Cordelia is on it. Willow should really <laughs> listen to Xander because the hair, it's so flat. And the lips. Willow looks a bit insulted as Xander <laughs> tries to get Cordelia to stay on topic. What? Xander says it's not a good idea. But Willow, she says there's no use arguing. Do they see her resolved face? They've seen it before. They know what it means. I, know, I use that line all the time. My resolved face. <laughs> She can help Buffy. They can turn Angel back soon enough and they can stop him from ever awakening a Kathla. In the script, along with her resolved face, Willow tells Cordelia that if she helps, she'll let her give her a makeover. <laughs> oh, and, I love it. And now I'm wondering if that's how Willow's haircut comes about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. Us stands then saying he clearly missed out on some things because this, this is making the kind of sense that is not. <laughs> <laughs> Willow tells him to go to the library with Cordy and get her things. That Cordy will fill him in on the way. Oz nods and says he'll drive. 
Willow then tells Xander to go to Buffy and tell them what they're doing. Maybe she can stall. Xander looks like he's going to argue, but before he can get anything out, Willow tells him, resolved face. (laughs) With a be careful, he heads out to do as he was told. Or not. Back in the mansion, Angelus is still torturing Giles. It's been what? Uh, Has it been a whole day? Or has like everything since Kendra's death been one night? Uh, I think it's been a day. I mean, either way, good for Giles, because he's been holding on a really long time. Right. And Jealous tells him that he can make the pain go away, that Giles has been very brave, but that it's over. Let him make the pain stop. With that, Giles nods, please. Getting down in front of him, Angela says, just tell him what he needs to know. In order to be worthy, he must perform the ritual in a tutu. (laughs) Yeah, good man, Giles. I love, oh, Giles. Angela is not amused and yells for someone to get the chainsaw. (laughs) I'm like, dude, you're up here. You need to be be down here. Bring it down a little bit. Thankfully, Spike enters then, once again in his chair o deception. Like, seriously. <laughs> I mean, we figured it out. He's got his, like, Ferris Bueller yes. ring. Yep. Yeah, I'm just imagining I'm just imagining Spike sneaking back into the mansion, trying to avoid being seen. And Joe is standing there just eating a thing of popcorn. Yeah. Like, hey, how you doing? And just (laughs) I'm imagining like Spike, like Spike just being like, oh, and then Joe's just eating his popcorn and (laughs) he's not telling. He's not doing anything. Anyway, he tells Angelus not to lose his temper. Angelus calls him sit and spin and tells Mm -hmm. him to stay out of it. Spike's just saying that if they chop him up, they'll never get their answers. And this is the moment uh, you were talking about a couple episodes ago where um, Angelus asks when he became so level-headed. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yep. And Spike says it's about the time he became so big-headed. Yep. If Angelus has his way with him, they'll never get to destroy the world. And and Spike doesn't fancy spending the next month cleaning librarian out of the carpet. (laughs) There are other ways. Angela says to enlighten him, and Spike calls for Drusilla. She enters, and Spike asks her if she would like to play a game. (laughs) So, sit and spin. Uh, Technically, technically, it is a reference to a child's toy. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm pretty sure Angelus meant it more in the sexual insult way. So, Mm -hmm. you know, go look that up for yourselves. I was also Mm -hmm. thinking it was also a very ableist. (laughs) Yes, it is. Everything Angelus says to Spike is ableist. Yeah, it's 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 like ableist with sexual connotations. Yeah. Yeah, every like everything that Angel says to Spike should just come with a disclaimer that it is not okay. Right. Arriving at the library, Buffy pulls down the yellow police tape and enters. She cautiously steps around the chalk outline, marking where Kendra's body once was. Can can I just let you know that um, my notes just say "sad Kendra chalk outline." <laughs> <laughs> chalk outline oh, and i love that jackie had notes <laughs> oh i i am a note person see my notes are like like yeah I, I, I love that yeah uh, she heads for the table slash the bag of weapons underneath seeing the remnants of willow's attempt she frowns a bit but then she's hauling the bag up on the table and going to pull something out snyder enters then telling her that it's a crime scene but then she's a criminal so that pretty much works out Buffy tells Snyder that he knows she didn't do it. The police will figure it out. In case she hasn't noticed, (laughs) the police of Sunnydale are deeply stupid. (laughs) 
but it doesn't matter what they find. She's proven to be too much of a liability for this school. Taking a deep breath, he says, these are the moments you want to savor, (laughs) that you wish time would stop so you could live them over and over again. Then he tells her she's expelled. (laughs) Not at all phased, she pulls the sword from the bag. And to Snyder's credit, he doesn't seem much phased either. (laughs) Eyeing it, she says he never got a single date in high school, did he? (laughs) Point Her point being... Uh, the stage directions above that line say it's true. <laughs> so yeah, no, never got a single date in high school. I'm sad that there's no more, no more script books. After I know that. not until we get to once more with yeah, Elaine. Yeah. And she just leaves letting the sword get dangerously close to him, which, which does eventually make him a bit nervous. I, I like, I like that, that scene of her walking with the sword and him just leaning like, okay, okay. I, I believe her. She's... <laughs> As she walks away, Snyder calls someone, presumably a town hall, and tells them to tell the mayor that he has good news. Which is the second confirmation of our theory from season one. Yep. That Snyder was there to keep an eye on things, on Buffy, and let her do what she did to keep the vampire and demon population under control until the mayor was ready. Yep. Clearly Mm -hmm. he's ready, and it's time to get Buffy out of the way. Yep. And also, like, also the way I feel about it, too, is too much has happened Mm -hmm. for her to be allowed to stay at the school like i get from a standpoint of an administrative perspective even as snyder even knowing that snyder is there's a whole thing going on with the mayor only so much can happen before you can be like okay we have to move away and do something else right right at the mansion, it's Drew's turn to try. Can we just talk about her nails? Especially since we get, a, yeah, we get a close up here. I wanted Drew's nails all through high school. Yeah, I know. I think I still want Drew's nails. I should go. The problem is, I'd have to put on fake nails to yeah. get them. Yeah, my yeah. nails are so bad that I could never have good nails. But they're just—they're so on point for that goth queen aesthetic. I know. Mm-hmm. They're so beautiful. She gently presses a cool cloth to Giles' injuries, asking if that's better, and calling him a poor thing before placing her head or before placing her hand atop his head and saying, "Let's see what's inside." She's quiet for a moment, and then, of course, mm-hmm. moving around so that she's now in front of Giles, she works to place him in her thrall, telling him to look at her, be in her, see with his heart. Mm-hmm. She holds her hands up to his eyes, and when she pulls it away, it's not true. But Jenny, he sees. I hate this. I hate everything about I this. I hate this I so much. I know. Poor Giles. Jenny as she was in that last moment they were together. Despite the torture, the pain, the joy on Giles' face is evident. And excuse me while I go grab a box of dishes. Because this is all he wanted mm. to see her again. I know. <sighs> He says he thought he lost her and she tells him that she'll never leave him. He says they need to leave, but she tells him to slow down, slowly caressing her face, running her fingers along his jaws, his lips. He says it can't be her. And yet she asks if he told Angel about the ritual. No, no, but they need to get him away from Akafla. Why? Is he close to figuring it out? Later, Jenny says for him to tell her what to do. It's all right. No, no, it's not no, all right. I'm it's sad. Not, no, it's not all right at all. Not even a little bit. She tells him that they'll be together, finally. 
that they have every that they'll have everything they never got to have, got to feel. Just tell her what to do. The way this scene is shot is just absolute perfection. Oh, it's it's such a it's really heartbreaking. It's too. such a well framed, well shot scene. Like the continual close up mm-hmm. on like Robia's eyes and her mouth. Like it's just it is filmed as seductively as it is intended to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just oh, it's so good. And it is, it is so heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. Cause cause and and again, Tony is such a good actor and seeing both the heartbreak in his face and as much joy as he can muster for seeing Jenny again. Oh, this is this is why this is why you get Shakespearean actors on your yes. show. Giles repeats that they have to get Angel away from a castle. Angel himself, he's the key. His blood, he mustn't. Jenny shushes him, leaning in for a kiss. The two start making out, and we pull back from the more intimate shots to realize Drew is in fact making out with Giles <laughs> while Angelus and Spike stand off to the side. I love how much Drew is enjoying Oh, that. Drew is Oh, like, Drew, yeah. She's living her best life. Oh, yeah. Yes. Angelus gets it now. The blood on his hands must be his own. He is the key that opens the door. His blood, his life. Angelus goes to leave and tells Spike to kill Giles. But what if he's lying? Good point. Don't kill him. With a grin, Angela says he kind of likes having Spike watch his back. It's like old times. That's when they notice that Drew is still going at it. Ah, uh, Drusilla? Honey? They're finished. Turning to them, Drew makes an oops sort of face saying that she was in the moment. Giles then realizes what has just happened. Aww. Speaking of Giles, Whistler's still hanging around his place. <laughs> Okay, just make yourself at home, sir. I mean, he already did make himself at home. He did. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but he's already had his bath. Right, exactly. He lit some now candles. It's time for dinner and treats. Yeah. Buffy enters and asks what he meant by the sword isn't going to be I enough. I like the fact that Buffy went back there, like, and it's right. just like. I've got uh, more questions. <laughs> I like that she just, like, was like, he's probably still there. That she, ass- right, she exactly. assumed he had it left. Like, she could tell, like, he made himself at home and. This is where he was going to be for a while. Like, because she goes right. in and there's no surprise that he's still there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Whistler's going through Giles' fridge at the moment and remarks that raiding an Englishman's fridge is like dating a nun. You're never going to get the good stuff. Buffy says, tell her how to use it. Whistler tells her what we just learned. That Angel is the key. His blood will open the door to hell. If Akafla opens his mouth and creates a vortex, only Angel's blood will close it. One blow will send them both back to hell but he strongly suggests she get there before that happens. The faster she kills Angel, the easier it's going to be on her. Buffy tells him not to worry about her. It's all on the line here, kid. She can deal. She's got nothing left to lose. As she disappears back out the door, Whistler says, wrong kid, you've got one more thing. Sunrise! Can we quickly, Mary, I know that when we watched this initially, we debated this. Um, the So Angel only needs like a little bit of blood to open it. And then it takes his blood to close it. We were debating whether or not she actually needed to stab him through (laughs) in order to close it. So this is a problem with every time there's like, this is going to come up again in season five. Couldn't that just cut that? That Did you really have to jump in the portal? That happens with a lot of things of this nature. I love that they actually in pirates. They pirates. Actually I was just going to say this, that. Yeah. Where she's like, oh, and then they just cut her hand and are like, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. cause you always, yeah, I, I was going to say like, I like in pirates that they twisted that 
where you don't need to kill somebody. You don't need to spill all of their blood. Because we were debating because she has this resolve and anger and all of these things with Angel. Like, did she do it out of spite to just run him through or did she because did she actually have to do that so okay so the only thing i can think of is angel's got the blood on his hand and he grabs the sword Mm -hmm. the blood hits the sword with a vortex what are you gonna do except shove someone through it there's nothing to touch yeah yeah. And I think that's the problem. I think that's why she had to stab him. But and I don't the know. Watchers, like, and, and the Watcher's manual thing that I read this morning con- like did say that like she realizes that she has to kill him in order to close the portal. But it, it would have ha- been nice to make that clearer because when, when you don't have, like we didn't have that Watcher's book came out yeah. later. Yeah. And so when you don't have any of this information, you're just watching it kind of thinking, well, did she do this out of spite because you had that conversation <laughs> with Xander earlier and or, or I not? Think, I think maybe like, again, like maybe if they had stopped and thought about it for a second, she would have been like, oh, hey. But again, you see a vortex to hell opening behind you. Yeah, right. She right. doesn't have time to think like yeah. all she knows is that Angel will close it. Right. And right. I, I think there probably is like as much as she loves him. I do think there is some residual anger there um yeah. probably guilt at herself too yeah, and like yes. she can't jump through that portal right so she, they fucked up she's gonna right she has to fix it the only way that she can yeah think of it but yeah i do remember i do remember debating that yeah and not to be too too spoilery but i mean you guys know he comes back because he has his own series yeah we we yeah. talk um, about him having his own series we're also we're but, very spoiler like yeah we, we, we don't all time but so when he comes back she does have that there is a moment where she's not sure if he is going to accept her or not yeah Yeah. he's not he's he's not like he doesn't seem to be in his right mind so that seemed in my mind when when we were initially watching it to confirm that you know she might have thought oh he's gonna be mad at me for sending him to a hell portal (laughs) i mean that 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 is a logical fear yeah Yeah. and then she has a lot going on in her mind too when when he comes back because she knows he's back and then now she's keeping that from everybody else because of everything that right everything he, did, that he did even though he wasn't conscious of what he was doing right <sighs> sunrise at the mansion which is even more spectacular in the daylight <laughs> i want the, i want this house i, I want, want this, this house yeah. so bad. apparently it exists or at least the exterior does because they had to obtain special permission to film these shots mm-hmm. um whatever house this is it sits high on a hill in a residential area and the crane they used with the camera was like this six thousand pound crane that they're driving around this neighborhood it's one of those deals where, like, I guess they were allowed in at first light and they had to be out by 10, which at least the industry used to call taillights at 10. I don't know if they still refer to it that way. I don't know. When I when I first moved here, I was an extra and the term wasn't used. <laughs> also, when you look at the stage directions for this scene, the creator has written in, yes, it's sunrise, sue me. Uh, <laughs> this is because, as I'm sure Jackie knows and can explain a bit more, sunrises and sunsets are notoriously hard to film. Oh, they're terrible. It's terrible. Like I, I one of my favorite things is the commentary for Doctor Horrible, mm-hmm. the scene where, and and also like I know this too because my husband has done filming as well. So the scene in the doc in Doctor Horrible where Doctor Hor where 
finds out that Penny is dating Captain Hammer. They're at the laundromat. Mm-hmm. Outside, it actually is nighttime, but it's lit for daytime. Like, it's such a... Because, it, like, filming in different times is such a hard thing to do because of lighting and everything. So you can always tell when something is a day-to-night yeah. conversion or a night-to-day and... And apparently with sunrises and sunsets, you have a very small It's window. very limited. Yeah. Yeah. So I yes. have, and, and the other thing is, is like you're trying to time a crew and everybody to, to film just at the right time. And hopefully yep. you don't have sound going overhead. I just looked up this, uh, the mansion. It's called the Ennis House. It's, it was designed by Frank Lloyd Wright. Oh. Apparently it's in Los Feliz, which is, um, it's near Griffith Park. I don't know. Okay. Like for those of you who might be familiar with Los Angeles, that's where it is. Oh, and it was used in Blade Runner too. Ah, so now we can go. We can go stock it next time we're in California. Yeah. Yeah. It's a national register of historic places. Yeah. Ooh. Now that you say now that you say Frank Lloyd Wright and I'm looking at it, makes, it I'm it like makes so much sense. A Frank- it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Oh, and they restored it in two thousand and seven. Buffy is heading up the drive when Xander leaps out of the bushes, surprising her. Calvary's here. Calvary is a frightened guy with a rock, but it's there. I know it's, I know, I know this time it's because Willow told him to go and everyone else was actually occupied, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting how once again, it's Xander who has gone to face certain death. It's funny because he says, he actually says Calvary. Yes. Which is not right. Instead of, instead of cavalry. Yeah. Which Calvary is the hill that Jesus was crucified on. You guys learn we learn something every day. Wait, here. you know what? Who says we're not an educational podcast? We are a very <laughs> educational podcast. Oh, this house is really close to Griffith Park. It's like near the Greek theater, kind of. Ooh. Like if you use the main road that like past this neighborhood, you go right up to the Greek theater, which is like at the base of Griffith Park. Fun facts. Fun facts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love fun facts. Say we're educational. <laughs> She trades him a stake for his rock, which he admits is much better, and tells him that he's not there to fight. He gets Giles out, and they run like hell. Understood? She can't protect him. She'll be too busy killing. Dropping the cloth that's been covering the sword, she brandishes it, causing to remark that it's a new look for her. It's a present for Angel. Willow, he stops looking at Buffy. She told him to tell her, tell her what? Kick his ass. Buffy continues, and after a beat, Xander follows. Okay, Mary, time for your rant. Here we go. I have a rant, and it is a justified rant. I have, I have never been angrier in my life. Mary has been keeping this in for the last two hours. So, okay. So I have a thing about this line, and you guys know this because I've like hinted at it before. But the original script backs me up because, like, ooh, when I tell you, I have never been so angry that something was cut in my entire. There are flames going down the side of my face. <laughs> Um, because Buffy's line continues in the original script. After she says it's a present for Angel, she goes on to say, this ends it, Xander. I'm ready. And that, that is why he lies to her. Mm -hmm. Because he is not going to do anything to break that resolve, not when it took her so long to get here. If they had just left that damn line in, like... The internet is furious over Xander's line. We have a friend who is forever mad about it and that he never gets called out on it. And this is only because they took away the context. Exactly. In which he does that. And I, oh, I'm so mad. (laughs) Because, and, and the thing is, this whole episode has been about her having that resolve. Mm Mm-hmm. 
if he had told her that they were working on the spell, she wouldn't have been able to do what she had to do. No, she wouldn't have. She would have started pulling punches. It would have been a lot harder. So people are seeing this as Xander taking her choice away from her. But really, he knows that she has to do what she has to do. Mm-hmm. And if she has any, like, she's already lost hope that it'll work, like, that Angel will be able to come back. And this is her accepting the fact that the man that she loves is pretty much gone. Uh-huh. Because what if, what if the spell failed again? Yeah. I don't think she would be able to handle. No. Losing, like, like that failing again. I don't, like, the interesting thing is, is, like, when I first watched it, obviously I did see it as, because of the lack of context, I did see it as Xander being petty in in the way that, like, oh, he doesn't like Angel and he just wants, you know, he just wants her to go kill him and do her duty. But at the same time, I wasn't really bothered by it because this is, like, this is Xander. Xander has a justified reason to be mad at Angel. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I wasn't like, oh, my gosh, she's taking away her ability to mm-hmm. do whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, he he has a justified reason to be angry at, at Angel. And Buffy was going to know either way whether or not the curse worked or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, and that's that's the thing. Like, they know at this point, Angel has pretty much reached the point of no return. Yeah. And we said we said during Passion that... That is a turning point in Mm -hmm. killing Miss Calendar, killing somebody who was it's one thing for him to kill a extra who had one line or some random person. It's another thing to kill somebody who believed in him, somebody who was trying to help him get back to who he was. And this is, again, where I, I say I would have loved to know the original trajectory for the show mm-hmm. because as we know Angelus was supposed to like leave with Drusilla. Mm-hmm. So was Angel ever supposed to return? Mm-hmm. Or was it gonna be like Angelus from this point forward to the end of the series? Like well, these are the I would love to see somebody's original notebook. Well, I uh I'll add that to the list of things that I'll ask Marty about yes, when I break, when into, break into her into home. Marty's house. Yes. And you know, I'm eating at her kitchen island and I have my you, notebook. You will be Whistler. Oh, yeah, I will be Whistler. Whistler. I will be Whistler. (laughs) Just like hanging out in people's homes, making snacks. Yeah. Yep. That's 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 going to go in the notebook. Inside, Angela starts the ritual again. Spike and Drew by his side. Only this time he decides to be fancy and use Latin. (laughs) And while he's doing that, Willow is doing a ritual of her own. Cordelia telling her that the stinky herbs are a go. Oz did mention he didn't take Latin, right? And Willow assures him that he doesn't have to understand the Latin. He just has to say it. That's the thing that I like about about the series is you don't have to understand the Latin. Yep. Yeah. Don't read Latin in front of the books. <laughs> Switching back to English, Angelus takes a dagger from Drew and slices open his hand as he tells Akathla that he, now he will be free, as will they all. But Bubby's not really about letting that all happen. As she snuck in from the side and decapitated one of the vamps standing guard, she greets Angelus with a hello lover. He sighs. He really doesn't have time for her. (laughs) She says he really doesn't have a lot of time left. She's coming on kind of strong. Does she really think she can take them all? No, she doesn't. And she doesn't need to. 
because she has Spike. Has <laughs> risen up out of his chair and clapped Angelus with a pike. <laughs> I, I like that Spike is talk about doing something in anger. <laughs> oh writes, yeah, yeah, right. He just keeps wailing on him with that spike. And and no. that whole that whole I love that whole moment because that also shows how much of a dramatic bitch Spike is. <laughs> Spike is the most dramatic. Just waiting for his moment to stand up and clock Angel. Like I just I'm just holding this is my emotional support pipe. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and then BAM! <laughs> Ah, Drew was not expecting that. He keeps hitting Angelus and a few of the lesser vamps rush Buffy. As Spike gets Angelus, he's all painful, isn't it? Again, <laughs> he's got so much anger. He's got, a, he's got a lot of issues to work out right now. Of course, Drew is not about to let this continue and so tackles Spike. Buffy is meanwhile still battling the other vamps with a small assist from Xander as he heads off to find Giles. <laughs> I like that like, Xander's just walking through the fight. He like helps yeah. Buffy and then just like keeps going. I, it's <laughs> This is why I like the Zeppo because sometimes yes. you wonder like what's going on with the other characters when these fight scenes are happening. Yeah, that that is that's my favorite part about about Zeppo is just all of the stuff going on with the main the main storyline and Xander doing his own thing. He's <laughs> just running around. Spike and Drew face off. Spike telling Drew that he doesn't want to hurt her. But when she rushes at him, he hits her. Just because he doesn't want to doesn't mean he won't. The ritual continues, Willow casting the runes as Oz does his best to read the Latin. Willow responding in English. Finding Giles, Xander bursts through the curtain, acting as a divider, and rushes towards him. He calls his name again, trying to wake him as he works on untying him. Xander? Xander asks if he can walk. He's not real. Sure he's real. It's a trick. They get inside his head, make him see things he wants. Then why would they make him see him? <laughs> I, love I love that. that. Yeah. It's like, hello. Yeah. <laughs> Am I really the person you'd be dreaming about right now? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like I could see, I could see them making Buffy appear or even yeah. Willow. Yeah. But no, not Xander. Xander. Yeah. Xander. I, and I loved, I love Xander's like, why, why would you want to see me? Like, <laughs> Right. Right. Let's go. (laughs) Xander helps Giles up and they begin to head out. Xander giving just the briefest glances to the various fights going on as they pass. Because Buffy and the Vamps and Spike and Drew are all still at it. With Angelus just beginning to come too. Staking the last of the guard Vamps, Buffy turns just enough time to see Angelus grab the sword, activating a Kathla. Buffy scrambles to grab the sword she brought, and Drew, well, she's distracted enough by this for Spike to grab her. Willow's still pushing on, though it's clear it's attempting to take its toll. She's pausing in between phrases as if having trouble concentrating. Sword in hand, Buffy faces Angelus. He tells her she almost made it. It's not over yet. His boy Akafa is about to wake up, and when he does, she's going to hell. Save her a seat. This <laughs> begins a truly epic sword this, fight. This sword fight. Yeah. Oh, the choreography really, really is spectacular. Yeah. I love a good sword fight. I, I do love a good sword fight. Yeah. Though I will say that every time I get a look at look at the guy filling in for David, I don't know if it's his regular stunt double or if they brought in different people who have like expertise with sword fighting. I just mm-hmm. I have to laugh because this guy is too skinny and he's taller than David. Yeah. And he looks nothing like him. But I mean, his sword like form is on point and he's a delight to watch. But I'm just like, you, you are very clearly not David Boreanaz. Yeah, I know Sophia is in the scene is doing most of the yeah the work in this 
Despite her trouble, Willow pushes on, both Oz and Cordelia concerned. That's when something happens. Either the powers that be take pity on her, or she opens one of those doors Giles talked about, because the magic seems to just surge inside her and she begins to speak Romanian. Oz isn't sure if it's a good thing or not, and Cordelia's pretty sure it's not as she urges Willow to speak English. The fight moves outside to the nice little garden Spike said would kill them all. (laughs) <laughs> as there is no other way to get her to come uh, a coffin begins to stir and spike knocks drew out as there is no other way to get her to come picking her up he begins to carry her towards the exit when he sees buffy and angelus angelus having cornered the slayer for a moment spike stops remarking that he's going to kill her and for a moment it seems like he might go help in the script it actually says that he watches them with intense worry like spike is actually concerned Buffy's Mm -hmm. about to die but he has Drew and so it's time for them to depart with a shrug he continues on he got what he needed and he's leaving yeah like he's he's still very much in love with I mean I know we've we've talked about and and James has talked about how like Spike has been slowly falling in love with Buffy this entire time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but at this point Drew is still his main focus and if it's between getting Drew out of there and helping but he's still always going to default to Drew and the thing is the thing is with Buffy is at this point yes he's he's slowly falling in love with her but he's at the point with Buffy where he's fascinated by her oh yeah absolutely fascinated she is unlike any other slayer that they have ever ever met she's very different which brings us to what is possibly one of my all-time favorite buffy moments oh i love this (sighs) or at least one of the most meaningful it's yeah it's it's the best because being 15 Mm -hmm. and seeing i mean i i said it in our first episode and and i'm gonna say it again this was everything Mm -hmm. this this moment that we're about to talk about was the badass girl power moment that we all needed yes and and it's in in moments like this are why even now this show still holds up yeah right so angelus approaches and he says that's everything no weapons no friends no hope take all that away and what's left as he's thrust the raid forward buffy catches it in her hands before answering me. me she then throws the sword back at him before getting up and proceeding to kick his ass yep that moment and the thing is as we're talking about it i can clearly clearly oh, yeah. see it in my head just her down on the ground and you can just see the way that she is pulling everything together mm-hmm. she knows who she is she knows that she is the slayer and this is what she does. And yes, she needs her support. She needs the people around her. Of course. But it's still her. Yeah. And it's another theme of this series where, um, you know, in the end, I feel bad for all these spoilers, but in the end, Buffy doesn't end up with anyone. <laughs> right. Buffy doesn't end up with anyone. The whole point of the story is not who Buffy will or will not end up with. The point is like what Buffy can handle on her exactly. own. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I I loved this scene too because it wasn't like, oh, like, you know, she she does what she has to do even though like her heart might be breaking. Mm-hmm. And that scene, it was filmed, the way they did it was filmed backwards. So, so they basically the the scene. Oh where she yeah, yeah. The, she had oh, the hit. Yeah, it was shot backwards. So like, like she's actually in 
real time releasing the sword and then they film yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I, I realized that. I think I realized oh, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think I realized that the last time I watched it because you, when something is going backwards, it's a very subtle thing that you can see that something isn't quite right with the way it is. But it's still, it's such a, it's such a powerful moment. Now we have to go back and watch that moment. We get epic sword fight part two as Spike's car blows through the makeshift garage door. The vampire holding Drusilla close. He's made good on his promise and they're out of there. Buffy's managed to force Angelus back indoors and back towards Akafla. She gets him in front of the statue right as Willow's spell reaches its climax. Her eyes glow, the orb glows, and then it's gone. Buffy goes to strike the killing blow to decapitate Angel, but his eyes start to glow and he gasps for air he does not need. <laughs> we be we hear the beginning of the Buffy and Angel love theme mm. play as Angel, confused and with tears in his eyes, looks up at her. Buffy, what's going on? She doesn't yet lower the sword, but she also doesn't move to attack. She's confused, unsure if this is another one of Angelus's games. As he asks where they are, says he doesn't remember, Buffy realizes he's telling the truth and so moves towards him. Angel? He notices she's hurt and pulls her close, holding on to her and telling her that he feels like it's been months since he last saw her. As he holds her, she begins to relax, tears starting to form. Angel, her angel, has returned. But it's too late. Because as he continues to talk, telling her about how everything is so muddled, Buffy can see over his shoulder a Kafla beginning to open his mouth, the vortex beginning to form. Slowly, she begins to pull away and Angel asks what's happening. She shushes him, telling him not to worry about it. She takes a moment to caress his face, commit it and this moment to memory before kissing him. The pair then exchanges I love you's before Buffy tells him to close his eyes. He does so, and with one last kiss... Buffy rams the sword into Angel's abdomen. (sighs) She steps back, watching as Angel is sucked through the door. The door closed, her name the last word on his lips. And this is where I cry every time. I know. It's so heartbreaking. But also, I have to say that, you know, when they were talking about Akafla waking up and, and, you know, opening his mouth and portal into hell and everything, I actually pictured the creature, like, unturning from stone and and like you know becoming like a huge portal but i understand that with the budget and the technology at the time it's not something they could really do instead you really just have a stone creature with like a a fuzzy thing on (laughs) yeah they spent they spent all the money using for the crane that they had for the outdoor shots of the mansion (laughs) they had to spend all the money there i remember i remember watching this episode and just screaming when she stabbed him because you also i mean at the time i don't know if they had announced the angel series yet no 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 because he didn't know like you didn't know if he was going to come back or not and he was a fan favorite so it was like what the hell well i mean the whole end of this episode is a like uh yeah Because, you know, the internet was just gaining traction at this time. Mm -hmm. So, and I mean, we had, we had the official Buffy posting board where I spent like all my time, but you didn't have like all these things like Reddit and and Tumblr and, and I mean, you didn't have Twitter. So like you didn't have the writers like tweeting out clues or scripts. Yeah. Yeah. The entire end of this episode was like, is there a show anymore? Yeah. What is going to happen? Yeah. 
And I mean, it, it's not you know, like, yes, Buffy, Buffy stabbing Angel is, is very sad, but it's not even that part. Like it's it's literally the montage that follows. That mm-hmm. is my like, well, I feel like crying today. <laughs> right. With the with the so Sarah McLaughlin, for those of you who don't know, was like the the sad queen, oh, the song of sad, the queen of sad songs from the 90s. Yes. And so this is a Sarah McLaughlin song that's playing over everything. Yeah, I I feel I feel so sorry for for people who didn't grow up in the 90s. I mean, I know a lot of people have seen the sad like dog commercials with yes. Sarah McLaughlin. But yeah, everything was. And the best part is it was always going to be Sarah McLaughlin because when you look at the script, it doesn't specify the song because I guess they had to figure out what song they could get permission to use. But it literally says (laughs) um, an incredibly poignant Sarah McLaughlin song begins to play. (laughs) It was it was always going to be Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. It couldn't be anything other than Sarah McLaughlin. No. No. But yes, we we do have this montage and it begins with Buffy crying and leaving the mansion, walking home alone. And then it moves to the Summer's house where Joyce awakes to find Buffy and her clothes gone. A note left on her bed. I mean, it could have been it would have been hilarious if they would have gotten arms of an angel. Oh, Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. I actually made a note about that. I was like, I was like. Why didn't they use Arms of the Angel? But they probably didn't. I mean, they've used that in what movies before? So maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But it would have just, it was, it was, I, cause I, every time I, I watch this episode and, and the sad Sarah McLaughlin song comes on, I'm like, how funny would it have been to have just been? I mean, it's there in the title. Right. She reads the note sinking onto her daughter's bed, also crying. She never meant what she said to Buffy, and now she doesn't know if she'll have a chance to tell her that. Then there's the school, where Xander, Willow, Giles, Oz, and Cordy have all arrived. Giles concerned that Willow is back so soon after her injury, something she points out that could also be true of him. Cordelia asks if there's been any word, and Xander says they haven't seen her either. Willow says no. And Oz says they at least know the world didn't end, because check it out. Check it out. Giles says they went back to the mansion. It was empty, and a cothla dormant. Where, where, where did they put a cothla? <laughs> like, is it just? I don't know if we. I don't think we. Maybe see. they gave him back to the museum. I'll have to pay attention when Buffy goes to the mansion in season three to see if like a cothla is just chilling there. Maybe or Giles. If, like, maybe Giles called the Watchers Council or oh, whoever. Maybe, maybe or yeah. whoever in America is around to clean up that shit. Yes, maybe that's it. Maybe they got like a disposal crew. Because there's a again. Yeah, maybe they called the museum and were like, uh, we found your stolen property. Part of me thinks that Giles called in the the watchers because this is a very dangerous artifact. It is. It is. Or like maybe it's the 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 Bureau of the Government from Indiana Jones that stores (laughs) So maybe maybe it's beside the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, I like it. I like that. Warehouse or Warehouse 13. That's another good one, yeah. But isn't Warehouse 13 technically the place where the warehouse from Indiana Jones? Yes, that's that's what. Yeah, that's why I was like my my brain. My brain was, was trying to catch up with itself. <laughs> Willow thinks the spell worked. She felt something go through her. Plus, Aww, Cordelia adds, so cute. <laughs> the orb did that cool glow thing. Maybe it wasn't in time. Maybe she had to kill him before the cure worked. Well, then she'd want to be alone, Oz guesses. Willow offers a much more positive suggestion that it worked and she and Angel went somewhere to be alone together. Either way, Cordelia says she'll need to show up sooner or later. They still have school. Exactly. Willow says she'll be there soon. 
As they slowly move inside, we see Buffy across the way watching, clothes changed in a duffel bag hanging off one shoulder. She watches a moment later before heading down the street. Next we see she's on a bus heading out of town. Our final shot being the now leaving Sunnydale sign. A small comeback soon written under Mm -hmm. it. The end. Apparently at the end of this episode, the Gur Arg monster says, I need a hug. Yes. (laughs) And and me too, monster. I I would give that little monster a hug because I need one too. Yeah. And uh, not surprisingly, both the creator and Sarah list this as one of their all-time favorite episodes. <sighs> it's rough, but it's, it's, a, good it's hit, a good episode. Like, good cliffhanger, too. It's a, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, like I said, we all were like, uh, but she just... She, just, she, left. she just left. She left. She just fucked off. Do we get what a is, season three? <laughs> what is happening? What is happening? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's so... Like, I don't even know what to say about this episode. Because, like, normally I have, like, something... I just... It's so good. Mm-hmm. And it just, it leaves us in this place that, oh, I am ready. I am ready for season three. I'm like, yes. Yes. Do this. Yeah. Because we're going to, we're going to get some good stuff in season three. And we are I get a ton of good stuff. Yep. Because there, yeah, there's, this is, this is season three or the episodes where I had already said that <laughs> I was going to yeah. guest star. I was pretty much going to guest star through all of season three. Cause yeah, you, you're ready for season three. Yes. So now I am I am here. Oh. And we're going to meet Faith. We are going to meet Faith. Yes. The most ever mooch. The most ever mooch. Oof. I can't wait. I can't wait for Mr. Trick. I I like Mr. Trick. Uh, I wish he would have stuck That's exactly what longer. I was going to say. And our friend the spiny-headed thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you Slayer are. Slayer Fest 98. I love, yeah, I love that episode. That Which that after is- that aired, all our parties are called Slayer <laughs> Fest whatever. Yes. <laughs> the big, like, the New Year's party we had at your house was like Slayer Fest 20K. <laughs> it's like yes. Slayer Fest Y2K. That's it. It's just, yes. oh. Everything was Slayer Fest, whatever. It's fantastic. Yeah, there there are so many good there are so many good moments in season three and <sighs> yeah. Because and the thing is, like I like I always compared Nadia to Faith. Yeah, well, I mean it, the, it's right there. It's right there, but mm-hmm. Faith is still better than Nadia. <laughs> well, Faith learns her lesson eventually. I... <laughs> Nadia just oh, Nadia's oh, the worst. Nadia is the absolute worst. I oh god. Yeah, I gotta get, gotta get, gotta get pins for the We Hate Nadia yes. fan club and see, see if we can send one to Julie. Yeah. <laughs> That's it for this week. Thank you all for listening and make sure to join us next time when we do our season debrief. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye. Bye. Bye.